1: They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
0: Getting dressed for success sounds great until you see that your clothes are wrinkled. The Conair Turbo Extreme Steam Steam and Iron 2 in 1 is your solution. It's the most powerful handheld steamer with advanced heat technology so it obliterates wrinkles with turbocharged dry steam quickly and easily. It's ready almost instantly and also works without steam as a dry iron. To get your wrinkle solution today, go to Amazon and search for Conair Turbo Extreme Steam and look for the Steam and Iron 2 in 1. Do you
2: import and export goods in and out of the UK? If so, then look no further for all your logistics and freight forwarding needs than Lila International Logistics, owned and run by West Ham fans. Lila, that's L-I-L-A International Logistics, provides businesses with affordable import and export rates for sending and receiving products anywhere around the world, whether it be by air freight, sea freight, courier or road freight. Lila provide a bespoke service for shipments so you ain't being passed between departments and you have a direct contact at all times 24-7 for shipments. Check out their website at www.lilalogistics.co.uk for more info. You're listening to the West End podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself Dave Walker and XWH employee. The Ammers are through to the fourth round of the FA Cup after beating Premier League opposition in Leeds. We'll be talking about that game, the development of Nikola Blasich, Kidderminster away, Norwich at home and some exciting events for your diary before getting news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. Next, Leeds at home is a horrible third round draw, really, isn't it? I mean, in the early rounds, you want a lower league side and we've got one next, which we'll come to. But first, we had to beat a Premier League side to get there and beat them we did. What did you think of the game?
3: Yeah, it was a solid professional performance. I thought, mate, you know, did the job. We we don't need to go out and batter them. We don't need to go out and play our best football. You know, the main thing was just to get through to the to the next round and get and with um get through with minimal drama, you know, as we got through, as far as I'm aware, with no injuries, you know, no suspensions, nothing controversial, just did the job. Comfortable 2-0 win. Um, Don't think we were really under much pressure throughout the whole game. And, uh, yeah, happy days. Looking forward to the next round. So, yeah, job done, basically, I think. Yeah, spot on. I mean, look, granted, we didn't set the world on fire, but generally speaking, like you
2: said, I think you're right. It was solid professional performance. I think we dominated the majority of the game, created chances and kept a clean sheet. And what more do we want from a difficult cup game? And I kept hearing about this depleted lead side, but when you look at our best 11 as in the best 11 available that you would pick. We had seven players missing yesterday. So we were pretty depleted ourselves in that respect. Um, So I I thought it was a good performance. Uh, What did you make of the first goal? Because I'm not sure I've seen a more confusing scenario, to be honest. One that was ultimately settled by VAR, but that decision was contested by some. Was it offside? How did you see it?
3: No, but I kind of almost gave up trying to understand it to be honest with <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just kind of just accepted it and didn't really question it. I mean, I think I think the argument is whether Bowen Bowie was the one that was offside, but then Bowen didn't touch the ball, as far as I can understand. But then he's not in sphere of play, but then he's right in front of the keeper. Um, so I don't know how he can't be in sphere of play. I hope. I don't really know. But I really don't understand the logic on it, to be honest with you. And I think whatever comment I make on it is going to have people say, "Yeah, but blah 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 blah." So I, I'm just going to say I trusted VAR and the ref for one. So I don't have. I don't really have an opinion on it.
2: <laughs> it's one of the messiest offside discussions I think I've ever seen. Genuinely, I I I, I don't know. I've looked at it so many times. And I literally don't know the answer. And I don't know if it's because I don't understand the offside rule these days. It just seems so overcomplicated,
3: doesn't it? Well, that's the thing. And it is getting overcomplicated with all these different lines and different body parts that you can play the ball with. And did this guy get in the way of that guy? Did it deflect off him? And did it deflect off that? It's almost like too complicated a rule now. I just think this should be a basic thing that any part of your Body that is substantially offside is offside. You know, if it's like, you know, like a a millimetre, I just think it's just so stupid. It doesn't make a difference to whether that goal, you know, a millimetre further back is not going to make a difference to whether that goal has scored that goal or not. I just think they need to get this rule. They need to take it. You need an offside rule because you can't have, you you could have goal hangers constantly and just be ridiculous, but you've just got to be a bit more. Liberal on the take of it, I think, uh, because it's just getting stupid, all these lines and these delays and stuff. The game is just as much about offside now as it is about anything else. Mm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It
2: seems to feature in most games, doesn't it? And it can be a headline stealer when it should. Yeah, exactly. Don't. No, uh, it, shouldn't. it should be a part of the show
3: yeah exactly just make it simple look if it's a guy if it's beyond uh, you know maybe say a foot you know a foot's difference or something like that if it's beyond that then yes they're outside but if if the attacker's slightly ahead of the defender but it's not going to make that much difference to the goal and just, just let it go I think it's meant to be an entertainment business where things are meant to be and goals are meant to be fun you know obviously they're not fun when they go against your team but it's just getting so complicated now and, it, and you could tell by the pundits you know the pundits all say different things about Mm. it and they don't know what the right answer is at the end of the day a rule is a rule and a rule shouldn't be open to misinterpretation because a rule should be factual and be very clear as to how you do it it's like you know in anything if you have rules in life you know rules that we live by to stop ourselves getting in trouble with the law if there was that much variation and needed that much kind of scrutiny to everything you you'd never get any kind of everything would take forever to a for people to understand and b to prosecute people it's like that with football like how I, it shouldn't be that difficult to know the answer to and the reason it is is because the rule is too complicated and that's right it's so complicated that the
2: fucking refs don't understand it and that's no. the problem and exactly. like everything else we've just overcomplicated the sport and i've said this before it almost seems like you know the the hierarchy get together and they just look at ways of trying to improve, in inverted commas, the game that doesn't need improving. You know, if you go back to the 80s and the 90s, for example, just, just take the rules back to then, you know, because that's it was yeah. it was so much more simpler then and, and so much more enjoyable. But the more they try and tamper with it, the more complicated it gets. And it just ruins the game. And, I mean, look at the amount of time it took to fucking make that decision as well. It's because they didn't know the answer. Exactly. And, it, and, it, and it, again took the euphoria out of the goal because I was convinced it was going to be disallowed because my gut reaction, trying to make sense of the replays, that it was offside. Yeah. Thankfully, it, it wasn't, but uh, it's, it's just an ongoing fucking discussion. And, and, and there's me talking with frustration at a goal that's given for West Ham. So uh-huh. that goes to show how annoying this technology is. Do you
3: know I'm 100%, 100% mate and you know of course I think I think goal line technology has been superb you know you can't criticize that no. so I would, keep, I would keep that as an improvement from the 80s and 90s I think you can use VAR when it's a obvious decision but even then you know it's on the penalties and stuff where it's clearly a foul they haven't given it even then they get it wrong but I think you should keep you could keep it for fouls and stuff I think you can even keep it for offside but like I said you just got to draw the line with these stupid little lines literally excuse the pun you've got to you've got to basically just say look if the guy is you know half a yard or a foot or whatever ahead of the other person then we'll just get rid of it and it doesn't matter what part of the body or or you say it's a gold screen part of the body either way and you just make it clearer like that just i don't know what to do really but they have made it just so complicated now that it's just stupid Mm. and I imagine just, being a ref a ref or a linesman or whatever when you don't have var technology you'll be forever thinking you got it wrong now because you won't actually understand what i mean
2: I, I know i don't understand the, the, the point of the linesman anymore i don't know no. why they get employed what what is their purpose now there is no, no purpose. Exactly. you know exactly. i don't know it just opens up a whole can of worms it takes a conversation into so many different areas <laughs> all born from overcomplicating the sport and making changes that didn't need making. And I just find it yeah. so frustrating. And it's like I said, if I'm having a moan-up about it when it's gone in West Ham's favour, I think that tells you everything you need to know about this poxy yeah, technology. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But great to see Manu get on the score sheet again. Um, yeah. Vlasic nearly did. And in my opinion, I think we're seeing signs of a good player there. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I think that was his best performance for us. I mean, what I liked about him as well was that he um, was like regularly tracking back. Um, He was fighting for the ball. He was holding it up well. He looked like he was stronger. He was much more prepared for the league as such. Um, And he seems to be a lot more... Um, aware of kind of his role within the team now. Um, I think when he came on a couple of times, he just looked a little bit lost in, in the early days, but now I think he's becoming more aware of the team, and I think Moyes is beginning to have the same impact on him as he did on Ben Rama, because Ben Rama had similar issues when he first joined West Ham, and I think now, having had a decent period of time behind him. He's looking very useful. And I think also it's coincided very well with Ben Rama going to the African Nations. That He's the the obvious replacement and a placement that I think hopefully in the next month or so before Ben Rama comes back can actually establish himself and show that he's as worthy as a first team places as the other players in his position. Mm, I like him. I mean, every time I've seen him, good close control. When he
2: gets the ball, he doesn't go hiding. He's tenacious, decent movement. We saw that for his goal against Watford, physically strong. I do like him, and not everyone else, is. He needs time. Players need games, and um, I think we just need an element of patience. What doesn't help him is the price tag, really, with West Ham fans, because you see yeah. £30 million being spent You know, to clubs in the top four. That's just a squad player that you barely see, other than the odd run out. But with him to West Ham, that's a big fee, so... I think he gets a little bit of pressure from from fans, from high expectations. But, you know, I remember Terry Henry being awful for the first six months of his time at Arsenal. But, you know, you've got to allow a player to come in, um, get used to a, a new country, new teammates, new philosophy, new style of play in the Premier League. And you know, a run of games. And I think that's what we're going to see now, Benny's gone. So that could be a blessing for Blasic in that respect. But I do like him. And um, for £30 million, you know, I think we've got a good squad player there. And who knows, with a bit of time, it could be a good first team player. Um, But I'm pleased to have him here. And like I say, another good performance there. And what I like about him is when ex-players have come out, not ex-players, teammates of his have come out and said how incredibly hard he works in training which I think speaks volumes. And I think you've heard something similar, X. And he's
3: a good lad, Bowler counts, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, you could see by, <coughs> sorry, by um, Declan's reaction when he scored against Watford, that he tweeted that he was really pleased with him. So I think the players do often, uh, do like him a lot. Yeah. Mm.
2: Uh, Jared put the game to bed with a great finish. And shortly after, we released our Man of the Match poll, where Vlasic got 64% of the votes, followed by Jared with 14% and Manny with 12%. Interestingly, Declan Rice only got 2% of the votes. That's just 1% in front of Yarmolenko, who spent a whole nine seconds on the pitch, there or thereabouts, and I suspect a little bit of a piss take there, by the way. Um, But that's still quite low. Are you surprised by that? Declan?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Not really, no, because I think uh, Vlasic um, was clearly the best player. I think he deserved it. I, I think the, the one I'd probably say I was more surprised at being lower is um, Antonio. I mean, Antonio mm. set up both goals um, and works the lines really, really well. I thought he played a really good game and he had a low percentage. I think Decker's percentage is low. But that's not a reflection saying that he played badly. It's just that... By normal standards, he usually dominates the games and is clearly one of the contenders for Man of the Match. Actually, this game, yes, he he did his business, did his job, played well, but other players stood out by their normal standards more so. I mean I think the reason Vlasic got so more so much more was not necessarily because he was head and shoulders better than Declan. I think mean, he played well but you know we, we as I've always said with Declan, there's a bar that he's set and we and we kind of expect that performance whereas Vlasic is kind of working his way into the team now. Probably the expectations on him are lower than they are Declan at this point. So I think it's it's all relative and I and I think I think I agree with the poll yeah. Mm, Fair enough. Fair enough. Here's a stat for
2: you, X. Because we beat Leeds in the third round, that is the first time we've progressed beyond the first stage of three major competitions in one season since the 65-66 season.
1: Really, that? wow,
3: what's that? That's interesting. I've never heard that. That's 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 a, a I don't know if that's amazing as in how well <laughs> we're doing now or how terrible we've been in the past. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I guess we've never really been in Europe, have we? Much so there's not been that that's much. what it comes down
2: to is the European appearances. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so that's probably why it goes back so far. But yeah, no, no he's, he's good. And hopefully, it's an indication of the shift in stature of the club now that that is what we expect. And I mean, touch, touch would. You know, I know shots can happen, but you'd like to think we'd beat Killerminster, so we could be even further in the round. And I know I don't want to jinx him because, believe me, I've been there many times when West Ham have lost to lower league opposition. But um, I just hope, hope we're a lot more. Um, professional and equipped now and what a positive to take I think from from the Leeds game as well was the fact that Moyes picked such a strong team I mean when you take into account Kind of that Shafell and Ashby were ruled out through um COVID, so he had no choice but to uh, to not pick them. Then you have Zuma and Ogbonna and Cresswell that are obviously ruled out for their reasons and Ben Rama ruled out for his reason, if you think about it, that other than maybe the keeper, whereas that where we've already decided that Ariola is the um is the cup keeper and is the lead keeper, that's the strongest team he could have put out. And I think we knew that Leeds were going to have a weakened team. So the fact that he still didn't let that be a a factor in his decision that he put out a strong team, considering we've got a game on on Wednesday as well, I think that's a real good indication that for once, hopefully we've got a manager that's actually going to really try and win something for us.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good shout. And when it comes to Leeds and their depleted side, I don't really know why they're depleted. I haven't really looked into it to be honest. But is that likely to carry through to Sunday? Do you know?
3: Yeah, apparently it's meant to be even more so because they've got wow. a player that, that figured that suspect that was in the cut but is suspended for the league. And if you remember, them, there's you know I think he's a right back or a left back. He's definitely a full back guy he got from Barcelona that we were linked with. For, for, I think his name is. He went off with a looked like a relatively serious injury, so I doubt he's going to be available. Um, so yes, I think it's going to be even. More depleted for the league game next week, which is which is, a, is good for us. Mm, massive, massive. Uh, well, that win has put us
2: into the fourth round, and we were drawn away from home against the lowest-ranked side left in the competition, Kidderminster Harriers. Is that the perfect draw or a potential giant giant killing banana
3: skin? I wouldn't say it's the perfect draw. It's the perfect draw for me. I'm so excited about this because I believe or not, have actually seen West Ham at against the Harriers in the night in the FA Cup. In I think it was 1994. Um, I put I put something up on my Twitter. I was actually there. Lee Chapman scored a header. So it's one of those grounds, <laughs> especially as they're in the they in the Conference North, aren't they? I think maybe. Um, it's one of those grounds where you think to yourself, "Wow, I'm never going to sort of come back here again." And the fact that I hopefully will be going back there. Um, is uh, is exciting, so it's exciting. I, I love that makes the cup for me, watching West Ham, at places like that, but you know, not your, you're not your classic Premier League, um, league one, uh, sorry, championship ground, but your actual lower than that ground, so I'm really excited. In terms of the size of the club, obviously they're the lowest ranked team, so you'd say yes, that's good. I think always away from home at these places those teams are able to up their performance significantly beyond their stature so it does have potential to be a challenging game. I think I'd feel more comfortable if it was at the London Stadium I think if it was at London Stadium I'd say oh, we, we should easily walk this um, but then you look at the, look at the last um, round, you know Morecambe gave Spurs a game um, Cambridge knocked out Newcastle you know there was Premier League teams that fell to lower league teams and championship teams that fell to lower league teams so you never know what's going to happen but I'd like to think under Moyes with this team and the attitude that they've got that we're a lot more professional side now and I just can't see the likes of Declan and others allowing a team like that to to take the piss out of us basically so I'm hoping it's a good draw yeah but with West Ham you've always got to have a little bit of um air on the side of caution when it comes to these things. Do you think players like Deck will play? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because he might not. Having said that, you're right. He might not do. I mean, this is the perfect game for me to play. Mark Noble in, you know, experienced, mm-hmm. um, like his last season, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You obviously don't want Deck to get injured on a more sort of rough pitch where some of the uh, some of the Kidderminster players might be thinking I'm going to make my name here and put one on the you know the England international type thing so he quite possibly won't do but all the other players around him I mean looking at who he played against Leeds you think he's going to put at least a you know semi-decent team out and whoever he puts out you know, we, we, every one of our players now is an established Premier League or international player. You'd like to think they've got the, the ability to be better than in I think the first half's always tricky. The first 15 minutes or so, as long as we can hold ourselves strong in that, should be okay. But it's, like I say, it's very hard. And that's the beauty of the cup. The beauty of the cup is that you get shocks. And, you know, this would be a big shock if they was to put us out Mm, well, this type of game is what the FA Cup's all about, and it—I mean,
2: yeah. do you remember when we went to Wimbledon? I mean, what a fucking party night oh, like that was! But that, that was awful. The, the experience of being in that ground, though, was was quite special, really. And, it, and yeah. it, I think we've said it before: going to grounds like that brings back the nostalgia and the magic and the beauty of what we loved about the working class element of football growing up watching. You know, and it it yeah. takes you back to that. And sometimes it's nice to step away from the modern day of big corporate shiny stadiums with all the money behind it and taking it back to pretty much grassroots, which ain't too far off when you talk about stadiums like Kidderminster. Um, I think it's a fantastic draw. And I was over the moon and I was watching the draw thinking, "Coming in here we go, fucking Chelsea away or Tottenham away or Man United away as per. And then when I saw Kidderminster, I thought, wow, that's fantastic. And I just hope I can go because, as you know, it does potentially clash with a pre-booked spa break. Mate, it's just, I
3: think you are going to sort your priorities out.
2: Well, look, it's getting wanked off in a sauna or going Kidderminster with you. It's a tough one.
3: <laughs> I'll wake you off in a sauna <laughs> at Kidderminster. Like that sounds like a fair compromise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go and tell the wife. <laughs> yeah, no, a, I, I, I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely buzzing for this game. I, I actually cheered when the draw came out because, like yeah, you,
2: lot of goals, celebrate like a goal Yeah,
3: exactly. Like you, some of the draw as the draw was going on, you would see like Boreham Woods gone. Um, you know, all, all these little, like all these lower league teams were starting to go, and there was still like you know Chelsea hanging around, Man United hanging around, etc., etc. And I was just thinking to myself, Oh, here we go. Who are we going to get now? Um, um, and then when Kiliman- it said, see, Kidderminster first, I was like, oh, go on. I stand, go on. And I was like, yes, get in. when they came out, and it's really, really weird, because I've actually been thinking, I've been talking about that Kidderminster game randomly quite a lot this last week or so, just like reminiscing about the FA Cup. And you know when I saw that they'd done really well, I said to my kids when we were, we were watching the because uh, we're house ridden at the moment because of COVID. So when we were watching the um, scores coming in, I said, Oh, daddy's seen West Ham win at stuff blah, 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 blah. I was just talking about it a lot. So it almost felt almost fate like that we um, that we drew them again. And uh, yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing. So we've got to hope the game's on. But I mean, I'm still going to go anyway, so it doesn't affect me. But I uh, obviously would like to go with you. So I think the plan is we've got to pray the games either Sunday or Monday. But worryingly for you, mate, on the grapevine, I do heard it through a bit of a discussion it is going to be on the friday that's not through any sources that's not confirmed or anything that's just people speculating but we'll have to see won't we we'll find out probably in the next couple yeah. of days well I, I mean i'm assuming that tv will
2: make a spectacle of that game
3: i have to if that game's not chosen for tv that's just
2: ridiculous oh massively but that's why i'm but, pinning my hopes on either the sunday or the monday really but yeah, it
3: could be so the Friday though, you're right. It could be the Friday, mate, the first kicking off one. I mean, usually looking back, and I have done a bit of research for you on this, looking back on the games that they choose for TV, usually the Friday one isn't quite the most like, well, that's a big that's a big game or a big upset. It's usually one of the better ones, but not the best ones. The best ones tend to come on near because people are out for you know, children might be out on a Friday evening and stuff like that, I might watch it if they were in. They tend to put, from what I've seen, the biggest ones on the on the on the Sunday. So let's hope, let's hope that this is the case. Yeah. And do you know what? Something inside me tells me that
2: there's a Fantastic burger review waiting to be had at mate, as well. Mate, someone
3: messaged me. I, I wrote back to them, um, and they said, um, Killerminster Harriers." Um, uh, I only went there once, and it was the best pie I've ever had. And I wrote <laughs> oh, back, really? and, Yeah, and I wrote back, and I said, "Fair play, mate." The fact that was in 1994, <laughs> and he still and he still remember it to this day. He Obviously, shows that it was a good pie. But I mean, we're gonna we'll have two extremes to the other because we're going to. Old Trafford. We're definitely going to that in um, at the end of January. So we'll have like literally the, the biggest club in the country with the with the most wealth, etc. Um, and then we'll best do a burger review there and then we'll have one um, against the, one of the lower lowest league plate teams probably both of us have ever been to so that'd be yeah. interesting take. I think mean, it's important to say actually on the burger review because I've obviously I went to Watford away I went to palace away um, and people are asking where is the burger review just to put it out there i don't think I can do it justice on my own I think the burger review is a combined effort and if I go rogue and do my own review without your sort of verification and we always go for two sources on everything on this side podcast <laughs> uh, on this website I feel that if I did it on my own it doesn't do the league table justice so yeah. the key ingredient is that you've got to start coming to away games again which you are with old, uh, old Trafford so hopefully the the burger reviews will start again yeah and it doesn't help that you're off camera as well so
2: you no. know if it's just you and you're off camera and people ain't <laughs> actually seeing the burger going into your mouth I think that's sort of I don't know weakens the experience a little bit doesn't it so yeah no you're yeah i mean right. people do
3: like the uh the mustard dripping down your chops as you yeah. uh, as you uh, bite into <laughs> oh, that burger i <laughs> never even realized
2: that's the worst fucking
3: <laughs> yeah. oh my god
2: but you're yeah, you're quite right and do you know what you know i hope man united have a burger fan because you know you, you think you take it for granted but man city didn't oh, yeah. no, that was, i that think that was that was that was yeah, it was, that
3: was. I think they do. To be fair, I think they do. Um, they from because what you got to remember about Old Trafford is that it's built in a residential area, um, yeah. whereas um, Manchester was always, always purpose built, wasn't it, for the Commonwealth Games, etc. But Manchester United is right in the middle of you know towns and houses and stuff, and it's just I know there's above Had Burgers there. I can picture where the Burger Van is. So yeah. we gonna I be we can we do before. Yeah. What, yeah. what I was trying to think about this earlier. What many night game did we go to together? Because I've been to Old Trafford hundreds of times, but yeah. I couldn't. I knew you'd been to one, but I couldn't remember which one it was.
2: We went to the one where we lost two one, and we applauded the players like we'd won the game. Do you remember that? Yeah, vaguely. What
3: was the? What was the, who scored? Oh God, who did score? Oh I yeah, mean, was it? Was it like and Snodgrass had one that was? Wasn't he? I don't know. Wasn't he but fouled? Did he hit the bar, Snodgrass? Yeah, it was fouled. It wasn't
2: Yeah, do you know, it's funny you mention Snodgrass because for some reason, when I think about this, he stands out for some reason. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's because he scored or he hit the bar or he was the first one to come over and applaud the fans. But for some reason, he's at the forefront of my mind in
3: that game, but we did lose 2-1. But there we, was something we, controversial with Snodgrass, definitely. I'm having a, oh, here it is. I'm having a look now. It was 2-1. Um, yeah, and Pogba got two penalties. Something that and it says here, yeah. But the decision to award United their first penalty when Robert Snodgrass was deemed to have fouled one matter was contentious and West Ham should have taken the lead in the ninth minute, but Felipe Anderson goal was incorrectly ruled out for offside. Mm, mm. Yeah, that was go. the one. Yeah, yeah, two one. How did we get up there as well? I have literally vague memories of this game. Uh, we
2: drove, didn't we? It was, it was a few of us. About four of us went up there, didn't we? We drove. Who was it? Oh, it was, was it Marco? A- um, uh, Vince? Yeah, I can't remember who actually
3: drove, but we with we did drive. Marco. If Marco, if it was with them, he always did the driving. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. I don't know. That was something else, yeah. No, yeah. So, yeah, that'd be good to go back. I mean, I've been to Old Trafford loads of times. I've actually got some good memories at Old Trafford. I saw... I was there when Tevez scored the winner to keep us up. I was there when decanio scored. Um, I was there for the FA Cup. I was there... Um, I've also, uh, also seen some terrible ones. I was there when we lost 6-0 in the FA Cup, and I was there when we were 7-1, when we actually took the lead 1-0 <laughs> and then mm. lost 7-1. Um, I was there when Man United won the league once. Um, I was there when Izzy a pin nearly made his debut but didn't get off the bench to be the youngest ever player. So, yeah, good times.
2: What was a greater emotion for you at Old Trafford? Decanio scoring a winner in the Cup or Tevez scoring a winner to keep us up?
3: Oh, that's a good question, mate, actually. That is a good question. Good thinking on your feet there. Uh, Thanks, I um, love it, Pat, uh, you patronising about that response. <laughs> <laughs> well done, you. <laughs> Sound like Martin <laughs> Allen now, don't I? <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> this time it's you getting the abuse rather than me. <laughs> um, I feel, I don't know, actually. It's a tough one. I think. I think probably... Tevez because it meant that we'd stayed up and we'd completed the great escape and it was just so ironic that the one player that caused all this controversy then went and scored the winner uh, I think that probably but then the Di Canio one was almost more of a shock because I seem to remember Man United in the league game had like a an important European game after or something like that so they were so they had like Geeks and Ronaldo and I think Skulls possibly on the subs bench uh, whereas the FA Cup, they had like their strongest team out. so I mean, it was more of a shock. The FA Cup one, but um, but yeah, the league one probably slightly more important. Mm,
2: special memories though, either way. Yeah. Uh, well, before we go back to Manchester and Old Trafford, we've got Norwich at home on Wednesday. It's got to be a fourth consecutive win,
3: isn't it? You'd hope so. I just remember when I was there for Pia's free kick as well at Man United. But um, yeah, you'd hope so. I mean, I wouldn't. Obviously, I would always say I wouldn't change a winning team. The only thing I'd possibly do. Well, I guess you change the keeper. I don't necessarily agree. So I think Ariola played really well. And I think soon we need to start having him as the first choice full-time. However, they've obviously decided that Fabianski is the lead keeper. And bearing in mind, you know... We'd have won uh, the last couple of games in the league, although we've conceded. We have actually won them. So I think it's a tough argument. Personally, I think I'd stick with Ariola, but I think he'd go with Fabianski. Um, so Fabianski's come back in. Then you've got a dilemma because Chafal could be fit. So do you bring him straight back in to right back for Fredericks? Very in mind, Sheffield's just had COVID, so you don't know exactly how physically it's affected him. I actually thought Fredericks played well against Leeds. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the argument, do you keep Fredericks in for that game or Sheffield? Um, I'm Not sure. And I think that's probably the only changes you would possibly make. Keep the rest the same. Because yeah. I, don't, I don't want to show Norwich disrespect and say, look, they're rubbish. Let's rest a few players because that's the sort of thing we'll do. And then we'll muck it up. We should be beating Norwich, but Norwich do have a lot to play for. You know, they're fighting for their lives. I don't think they'll stay up, but they're going to at least try. And I don't think we should risk not playing our strongest team I think mean, if anything you're more like better to risk it against Leeds with the amount of players they've got out than, than Norwich but I think knowing Moyes he'll go for as strong as possible in both yeah you've got to, you've got, you've always got to play your best available players and
2: you know we don't know physically the condition of Shufau you're quite right because with you you've got
3: Covid now and you've been yeah. as a butcher's dog haven't you I wouldn't say fit as a butcher's dog, but I mean, because I've never been there. But, but like, you know, like I've had it for over a week now and for the first few days of it, I just thought it was a cold. I did a test, I tested negative. Uh, and then my wife started to feel a bit ropey on the... Uh, the, on Thursday, so she did a test and it came back positive. I was like, how the hell can I not be positive when she's now got it? And I had just the same symptoms as her. I did the test, and obviously, Thursday I was positive. Annoyingly, Friday I was positive because I wanted to do the event Saturday. I was positive. Um, so, I've actually, actually, no, I was negative on Saturday, negative on Saturday. So if I can get a negative today, which I haven't done, I should be free. But it hasn't really affected me at all, to be honest with you. I was ill about six weeks ago with a cold, which didn't test as COVID. I was a hell of a lot worse then than I am now. I've got a slight cough, which is why I had to put you on. I went mute a little while ago just to get it all out. Um, I've had a slight cough. I've had a headache for a few days. I've had a slightly blocked up nose and occasionally going up the stairs although this has happened regardless of COVID or not I've had a bit of a tight chest but I would have gone to the game yesterday and i have gone to the event and I wouldn't have thought anything about it had I not known the COVID rules I probably would have even played football feeling like how I feel now if I was you know younger and playing for a team and stuff so yeah touch wood I've had it very mildly
2: yeah and that is the point and if, if Siobhan is ready and physically able to play football and uh he's deemed as fit enough. I think he's got to come straight back in. But it does do you I, I do, yeah. Only yeah. if only if he is fully fit to come back in because well Antonio played, didn't
3: he? Straight after he had it. So you yeah, like exactly.
2: yeah, they're all yeah.
3: if they're all you know fully fit, like they should be, that they should be okay with it, yeah. Exactly. But hey, look,
2: everyone's different, everyone gets affected differently. Yeah. But um, I, I would I'd bring him straight back in. But it does kind of raise the question that in Ryan Fredericks, you have got someone who is a pretty good squad player, really, for a couple of different reasons. One, you know, I know he's a, he's a right back slash wing back, but he is frighteningly quick. I mean, he's unbelievably quick. And in, in the Premier League, pace is such a key attribute to have to a point where, and we've debated this on recent shows, whether Ryan would be a better option coming off the bench in Yarmolenko uh, to play yeah. on the right wing. So given that, given the potential versatility, if you were David Moyes, would you actually give him a
3: new deal? Really important because I like Fredericks. I think Reg- Fredericks has never let us down. I think, he, like you say, I think pace is the key attribute for a player now and he's got that, particularly at fullback, you need to have pace um, and as a winger, And I think he's got that. I think he's a decent lad. All, all the players seem to like him, seems to fit him with the squad well. Like you say, he's quite versatile. Um, I like Fredericks. The only thing that is going against Fredericks is that he's number one position is right back and, uh, and you've got Shafal, you've got Johnson and you've got Ashby. So really, in terms of cover positions, we've got almost as much cover at right back than we have in any other position. Um, so it's almost by default that he's surplus to requirements in that respect because i don't think he's a bad repl- player the other problem is, is he's quite well paid i mean he's on about 75 to eighty thousand. because wow. i think we, we signed him on about 50 grand and then with various bonuses and stuff i mean he's on about seventy to 80 well, we for
2: nothing didn't we that's the problem this is it
3: and that's why your wage is always higher when you get a player for a free um but I think because of those wages and the fact we've got Ashby who I think is a good player, Johnson and Chappelle, is almost like we don't actually need him so unless he can convert to a successful right winger like you say and be a replacement for Yami Lenko, I'm not sure technically as was shown by two incidents when first he had a shot that was really weak straight at the keeper and the second time when he should have cut it back to Declan and he didn't and he tried to shoot and I just don't know whether he's got the right skills and intelligence to play in an attacking role. So, sadly, he have to make brutal decisions in football. And I think if it was down to me as the manager, I could understand why some managers want to keep him. But I think if I'm thinking, if I've got a tight budget um, and I've got these other players coming through, I think it, it should be his last season for us, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. In, in terms of Areola, are you hearing anything
2: in relation to how he feels about ultimately being a cupkeeper?
3: I think he's frustrated. I you mean, not, not in the sense that he's going to rock the boat or anything, but I think naturally he would be frustrated because he came to the club um, looking to be the first team keeper here. And it seems like he, he's only going to play in the cup games. Now this could change, I guess over time, but if it was down to me, if we was if we was starting afresh and we had no history on Fabianski or Ariola, just say there were two new keepers into the club and you're judging it on games this season and attributes that they display and their age and <clears throat> factors like that, I would have Ariola as the first choice. But that that's a little bit harsh on Fabianski because. I would say this season is better than his last season. I wouldn't say yeah. it's his best season, but I'd say he's better this season than he was last season. But I don't think he's made done too much wrong, but I just think Ariolo is technically a better keeper, and obviously age-wise there's more of a future with him. I'd, I'd be happy for Fabianski to be the, the backup keeper. I almost think they need to swap roles now, but it's harsh to do that to Fabianski at the moment, uh, because he hasn't let us down. But if you want the honest opinion on who I think is the better keeper, I would say that Ariola just edges it. And it's funny because I've asked a couple of players that are at training and, you know, in and around the squad what they think. And they give quite a similar answer. It's that there's not much in it, but they're they're very, very torn. But if you're looking long-term, then Ariola has more, you know, years ahead of him. So it makes more sense. And this is what I think
2: is a bit of a conundrum about it, because... I love Fabianski. I've been a big fan of his since he joined. And I've also had his back when the chips have been down as well, because I always believed that he could come back after a a kind of underperforming period, if you like. But this season, I think he's been great. Uh, He's been a good servant to us. And I think he's a good lad as well. The problem that we've got is we've got a goalkeeper here in Areola that could potentially be a world-class goalkeeper for West Ham. But because we've got him on loan we're not necessarily going to sign him on a permanent basis unless we start playing him and showing some belief in him and, and letting him know that he's part of our future. And I don't know that if we give Fab a new deal, whether that could be the nail in the coffin for Ariola at West Ham, and he would say, well, look, fuck this, you know. I, I'm, I've got player of the year at Fulham when we got relegated, so I've proved I can perform at the top level. If you look at the pedigree of the clubs that I belonged to previously, You look at my age, I've still got a lot to give. He's going to want to almost demand a first-team place now at this stage of his career and his next move. And is he going to believe that he will get that at West Ham unless he gets a steady run of games as a first-team
3: choice now? I'm not sure. Yeah, you'd have to hope that he's in into what we... All about here and wants to sort of and sees that Fabianski is the age that he is and would be confident in his ability. That certainly next year, if not 100% the year after, he will be the number one and he'll be the number one for the next, you know, four, five, six, however many years. Um, I think he is. Obviously, he spent time as a backup keeper. In large parts of his career at PSG and Madrid and stuff. So I think he's obviously not overly against it because he's done it before. But I think I think he would like to think that West Ham he'll get his he'll get his um chance eventually. I mean, he did a he did a tweet or an Instagram post um, with him uh, blowing bubbles kind of um after the game on. Um, Saturday, Sunday, and I think I think he is happy there. He's just going kind to of hope that he buys into West Ham, loves the club, and, and can see a long-term future here. But you're right, I think he must be getting a bit frustrated because, you know, he's kept another clean sheet against Leeds and really didn't have much to do. But what he did do, I thought he did well, um, and he's going to probably, I mean, we don't know this yet because the team's not announced, but he's probably going to be dropped for Fabianski. And you must kind of think, what do I have to do here to get the number one spot?
2: Well, mm. well let's talk about some exciting events we've got coming up firstly we play Leeds again on Sunday and before the game is the West Hamway pre-match event at O'Neill's where the special guest is Colton Cole there isn't many tickets left for this now so if you're a patron get your name on that list ASAP if you haven't already and likewise if you're not a patron then get your tickets online ASAP to avoid disappointment I'm looking
3: forward to that one X. Are you yeah, me too. I mean to just to reiterate what you've said there. There are very limited tickets now. Mm. I'm close to closing it because we're on the brink of being at capacity. So if people want to get tickets, they really need to move soon. Um, because Carlton's um, you know, really popular uh, bloke, very funny. Obviously works for the club at the moment as well. So we'll have a lot of inside stories. So it's gonna be a great event, really, really good event. Um I'm right, now, yeah, buzzing for it to see Carl again. Obviously, I missed the event this weekend so I've got uh, got even more enthusiasm to be there than perhaps I would have if I'd been this weekend yeah it's going to be
2: a good one then we are delighted to announce that on Thursday the 27th of January at 8pm we have our first ever quarterly virtual event hosted by myself and X where the special guest taking a live interactive Q&A from us and you will be club legend Tony Cotty and this event is free and exclusive to patrons of the West End Way. So patrons, get that date in your diary because that'll be a great opportunity for you to interact with Tony from the comfort of your own home. And again, X, we've been saying for a while that we're going to do this on a quarterly basis and I'm excited to, uh, to see that this month is going to be the first one with such a great guest as well.
3: Massive opportunity, mate. I mean, obviously, I don't want to <clears throat> brag on about it, but for five pounds, really, I mean, if you're a West Ham fan, the patrons do you get a good deal here because you meet, you, you got the opportunity to interview yourself, one of West Ham's, you know, legends, someone who's been very um involved in West Ham over the years, and particularly with the, you know, the pie capital thing and all that. And you're going to be able to sit there from the comfort of your own home, log on to your laptop, just click into your patron membership, and um, ask him questions um as, uh, uh, for a couple of hours or whatever it is that we've got him for uh, for no extra expense you know all part of that five pound so hopefully people can appreciate what we're doing now to try and bring value for money i remember there is that competition that we've still got running for the whole of january where you refer a friend now uh, what is good news for those that have done it is that I've only had about 10 people come forward and tell me they've done it. So the odds of winning the prizes at the moment for those 10 are very good in their favor. But if others want to enter, just drop a message on the patron. So I've, I've recommended my mate, my cousin, my dad, my brother, my sister, whoever, I've recommended them to Patreon. This is their name. And then if I can see that they've signed up or they message me, say they've signed up, We had both of you in the competition. You don't want to miss out. You know, there's so much on page. And now that it's just, yeah, for £5, it's definitely worth sticking around with us, the thing, Absolutely. Well said. Okay,
2: we're over a week into January now. Are we any closer to signing players? Let's hear about that and more from the man who knows. To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West End Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon.com. That's dot com. Forward slash the West End Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West End Way podcast. Our second weekly show called the West End Way Podcast Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q and As with myself and X, monthly prize draws. Discounts on events and merchandise, and behind the scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month.
0: When you love riding a motorcycle, you want to ride it everywhere, even getting a dental checkup. Mr. Carter, wouldn't you prefer the chair? I'm fine on my bike, Doc. Well, let me know if you feel any discomfort. And when you love saving money, you want to save even more. That's why GEICO makes it easy to bundle your motorcycle and car insurance. All done, Mr. Carter. Remember to brush, floss, and lubricate your drive chain regularly. Kickstart your savings with GEICO Motorcycle. Bundle and save on the things you love.